0: Welcome to our weekly show, Means of Creation, where we are deep diving into the passion economy, the creator ecosystem, and the future of work. I'm your host, Legion, along with my co host, Nathan Bichez. Today, we're joined by a couple of really amazing guests that I'm so excited to be speaking to Katya Ameri and Elijah Daniel. They are the co founders of Rocket Ship House, which is a collaboration house in the Hollywood Hills that serves as their platform for incubating different content projects and startups. You might know Katya as the star of the hit t- television show, Zoom Bachelorette, or maybe from her work as the founder and CEO of Mira, which is a skincare newsletter and community that has over 100,000 subscribers. Fun fact, Katya and I also lived together for a weekend in Vallejo of all places. <laughs> a longer backstory there. <laughs> yes, literally in the middle of nowhere. There's a longer backstory there that we won't get into. (laughs) And Elijah is a comedian, rapper, marketer, and creator known for his viral satirical stunts. In a profile in the New York Times last November, Taylor Lorenz called him, quote, one of the most influential people on the internet, whether you know it or not. And his past antics include becoming the mayor of Hell, Michigan for a day and outlawing straight people, Last summer, he began working with Clash, which is this new short form video app and developed The Clash, a reality a reality show starring several influencers, including Claudia Conway. So without further ado, thank you guys so much for being here today. It's great to have you on the show. Yeah. Okay, so today you guys are living together in this mansion that I think has a vineyard and it's called Rocketship House.
1: has <laughs> a vineyard? What? <laughs> my god but isn't it also like in in like beverly hills or something or like hollywood area one acre in hollywood with the vineyard it doesn't get more it's an expensive. that's pretty fancy maybe if this interview goes well we'll get an invite or something
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i already have an invite i want to yeah the moment i can fly i will be on a plane out there otherwise it'll take me five days to drive to LA from Pittsburgh. But anyways, just to kick things off, can you tell us what Rocketship House is? How do you describe it in a nutshell? And how did this even come about in the first place?
2: It's a little bit of everything. I've tested a bunch of different methods of the housing methods of an influencer house versus like tech houses. And I've been in tech for a while and we were testing different ones. And I was just seeing like why certain ones were failing and the majority of them. I was just like, okay, we kind of need something to go with it. And I was kind of thinking on that. And that's when we met, and we ended up being like, oh, okay, fuck. We can just take the best from all of it and actually make one that's workable. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. space that's actually able to be able to turn into something after that. And yeah, for a little bit of everything.
0: By the way, how do typical creator houses like Hype House or Sway House, how are they actually structured economically? Like um,
2: so it depends on the house specifically but most of them are the the reason that a lot of them don't work is they're based off of brand deals so they'll bring in eight to ten kids and they either have to pay rent or have to do certain brand deals the ones that end up working are ones that have long-standing deals hype house with bang energy sway with Triller and that's really the only way that those work is just having a constant feed of money because then if you're relying on brand deals that's not really something that's going to be coming consistently the majority of them financially work that way and so have, a
0: brand will actually sponsor the house for them yeah, so the, in exchange yep, for for sponsored yeah posts yes,
2: sponsored posts and things like that yes so the ones that are still standing mostly are run they have like one big backer behind them and then that type of situation some of them are different there was there's some that where the like where it's just co-living type of a thing i actually don't even remember the names of those ones there's like three of them that popped up but
1: were they like, charged tenants basically to live there yeah
2: it's yeah, yeah. it was just basically like uh yeah they would just have people live there it was like a bunch of roommates and i was like okay totally. so at that point it's just a frat
1: house <laughs> totally it's so fascinating how i do with these things like Part of it is definitely, obviously, like whether the creative product is resonating, whether audiences are growing, yeah. et cetera. But it's like restaurants in New York, like the ones that have been around for 50 years are the ones that just own the building. Like yeah. if you <laughs> yeah. own the real estate then you're you set. And if you around. don't, yeah. then your landlord keeps hiking it. And no matter like how hot your restaurant is, it's really hard to exactly. stay alive. So it's interesting to see a similar dynamic with Hype Houses where it's like having a more stable yeah. business model is the key actually probably to longevity. Yeah
2: it's, yeah, it's mostly, so they're all built off of, oh, okay, we have a distribution channel with a lot of TikTok followers rather than mm-hmm. what are we distributing? <laughs> so it's that's great that you have a fuck ton of followers, but what are you doing with them? So that's why, I mean, like the majority of them that I've seen either fail or go under is because they're reliant on brand deals or they were reliant on just one company and that company decided to go away and they didn't try to diversify anything that they were doing really.
0: Got it. And so what is the business model for Rocket
3: Ship House?
2: It depends. We have... It depends on the project.
3: Yeah. Sorry, I'm still getting the hang of the audio here. So what is the business model? That's a great question. So we're taking our time to figure that out. We're bootstrapped. And because of that, we have the luxury of being able to like really figure out what is ultimately going to be the business model that works for us. Are we going after, are we trying to be more like an atomic labs where it's more like top down creation? Is it more of a traditional incubator that we're all used to? Are we, is it something else? Is it something more similar to mischief? So we're playing around with that. So we have a number of projects in our pipeline and part of what we're testing is not just the idea, but also the model and yeah so we're trying a little of all of that right now and we're keeping it super fluid so that we can figure out what is the best structure we played around with some like traditional management yeah so we've learned a lot so far we've actually we literally only been around for what like two months two and a half months and we've already played around with a couple of these models and it's which is insane like 60 days yeah so it's happening and and I, I don't think anyone's quite cracked it quite yet what's happening in these like these like next gen houses I think it's a super interesting space to watch and I think there are like a number of different avenues that you can go down and does it ultimately become community-based like we work is it something else yeah
2: yeah I think the community part of it Mm -hmm. has been like the strongest part especially throughout corona because I was out of tech for a while I started in like 2014 and then did it up until So I started in 2012 and then I went to probably like 2017 in marketing type stuff. I was working with all the startups. I went through like the big Santa Monica boom of random, like every app getting funded every other week and just worked with a bunch of them and was just like watching Crash Burn. I was like, okay. I liked that community though, of like being able to work and see people and like with Clash, we were there. It was like this more of a community thing. Everybody was hanging out and I was like, oh shit. Okay. I remember people (laughs) like this has been taken away for a bit, but yeah, community has been a really good part of this. And that's a big part of the model and just having it kind of morph and be able to change with everything that we do is yeah. Just having a more open fluid model. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really interested. Oh, go ahead.
3: No, just to piggyback off of that. I think like the beauty of community is that it allows us to be more flexible. We have a ton of bright minds coming in and out from different walks of life, from different companies, like different creators, different types of creators. And it it, it, it allows us to constantly have that, Talent pipeline and also just be at the physical intersection of a lot of these interactions so that we can. And so that's so keeping our business model right now fluid goes really well with also just like really focusing on building out community because that allows us to help shape shift the totally what we end up building.
1: I'm really curious. It's so interesting to me the model that's a little bit like an incubator, a little bit like a content house, and a little bit like mischief, which I don't even know how to categorize them. Can you like what is most valuable to you about all those different things? Like the house, probably really good for like content creation, the et cetera, et cetera. I'm curious. Yeah, what are the important elements of those?
3: I think like one thing that, and then Elijah, you can take it, but one thing that I think has been incredible about co-living is that if it wasn't for co-living, Elijah and I wouldn't be like working together. Co-living has allowed for two like very different personas to yeah. <laughs> sync up on sleep schedules, work schedules to like, get to get get over both of our like social anxieties and get to know each other. And I think there's just so much power in co-living, especially when it comes to getting to know people that are different than you. And like, and finding out like the ways in which you're similar. And now I think Elijah and I like feel really aligned on so many different topics. And I just took a while to get there. And I'll also say what I love about co-living is also that you get to the bottom of whether or not a you really want to be in a relationship with someone mm. it, it like speeds up that process i think covid yeah. speeds up that process and co-living does a lot and and i think like living with elijah has like totally also confirmed the fact that like, i want to work with elijah and i, I, I think, think you would know that answer like immediately yeah. yeah
2: yeah it's been i think one of the most important things has definitely been with the co-living thing is because like is very like Silicon Valley has that background. I have more of the LA marketing background and like the LA startup thing. So I have a very different view of tech than she does. So it's like coming in and like being able to match those together. And she's, she's genius at like being able to mesh things very well. So it's like seeing those two backgrounds come together, like entertainment and tech generally don't meet and, and work in the same thing on the same projects in the way that we are. And it's been really, it's been really interesting to see how we do it and just see how we work together and see how we work with other people and just testing things as we go.
0: Yeah, that sounds really fun. And
2: it's very complimentary.
3: Yeah, and one thing too that I want to add is that I think like when I first came into this situation, as I, as I mentioned, like my thinking was I want to bridge the gap between these two universes, the media, the tech world or the media world and influencers understand distribution and like tech people who, you know, understand business models, but don't understand distribution. And it was so simple in my mind. And I think that the biggest learning was that I was trying to bridge the gap before understanding the gap. And the gap is As as much cultural as it is anything else. And so I think, like, actually, ultimately, and we can talk about the projects that we've done, what we have in the pipeline, but my biggest learning so far personally has been about the difference in culture between these two universes. And I almost feel like I've been, I'm in the middle of getting like a master's degree in learning, like, learning how to, yeah.
0: Deal with influence.
3: Figure (coughs) out how to communicate effectively.
0: Yeah, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the projects that you guys have worked on so far. And specifically, I know you guys recently ran a really interesting experiment using OnlyFans as a distribution platform for content that you guys helped to create. So it was a bit more like produced and planned than typical UGC. So, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that experience and what were the learnings from that.
3: Cool. Yeah, one kind of like an initial thing that we were thinking about was that adult female content or female content in general, it's like it's literally one of the most popular types of content on the internet, but the women are not in control of their own careers. And Mm -hmm. so that got us thinking we were also interested in leveraging like under leveraged distribution channels like OnlyFans, fans twitch etc right. and we were thinking a lot about this problem we met a couple of adult content creators that were expressing this exact issue that their uh, content is doing well online like doing very well but they're not seeing a lot of the money coming in from it and that they were also struggling with a lot of the things that were happening behind the scenes like the adult industry so far has been very much in the dark It's been pretty shady. We've talked to a number of OnlyFans models that are truly scarred by some of the experiences that they've had. And that got us thinking, okay, there must be a better way. There must be a way to build a more empowered, like creator-forward brand in this space. And that kind of got us thinking, okay, can we build out a Playboy 2.0? Playboy is a very successful Brand uh, and company, but it's very dated at this point. Can we build a more inclusive, empowered Playboy with creators at the heart of it, and really build out of a, 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 a yeah? That and beyond like a- that,
2: having a, like a marketing company for OnlyFans. Oh, sorry, uh, knew- talk to oh. brands. Yes. Oh, sorry. I was, I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: you, me no <laughs> um, beyond that, <laughs> also
2: having, we wanted to create a marketing and management type firm behind it, mostly mm-hmm. focusing on marketing because nobody's really bringing brand deals to OnlyFans yet. And so that was like the initial test was like, okay, can we also do this? And then we started talking to different brands and just figuring out which ones of those brands are good for that and what the conversion is on that. And Found some very interesting things that we're launching with. So it's been, it was a very good experience for a couple, 30 days of just trying out the platform, getting a hang of it, and then figuring out how to move forward and what are the best ways to move forward on the platform and how to help the people that we were actually working with move forward.
3: Yeah, Yeah. so like picking back off of what what Elijah said, we were really thinking, okay, how do we build this brand creator first? And a big part of that was also building out an OnlyFans like marketing arm. A lot of, another thing that we found is that a lot of these content creators are having struggle or struggling finding brand deals because a lot of brands don't want to work with them because it'll tarnish their brand. And so we were thinking a lot about, okay, like how do we think about like creative monetization in this space first? And ultimately, like we ended up building out like an agency model behind the scenes. And after a while, we came to the realization that an agency model isn't the best way to serve creators. We can talk about why. And we had a a number of learnings from that project that we ultimately ended up deciding to like discontinue the villa the way it was. But we are now incubating a couple of new OnlyFans projects with the learnings that we've had there. And thinking through, okay, like we don't believe in the agency type model. What do we believe in? How do we create? a like actually a platform that solves for some of the, the issues that we found that agencies had and solved mm-hmm. for a lot of the problems that creators were having and so we have a couple of those in the pipeline and something else that we also tested too was like how do we incubate projects and one of the things that we found too was that like if you have too many voices at the table early on That kind of slows down your ability to be able to pivot quickly. And that was a big learning for us. It was our first project. And we also learned a lot, not just about OnlyFans, creator, the the creator economy, but also like how do we incubate ideas?
1: Totally. Yeah. It's fast. Oh, go ahead, Lee. Sorry.
0: (laughs) I was just going to quickly say, choosing OnlyFans as a new distribution platform for a content company is pretty unconventional still, right? Because the platform doesn't have uh, discovery mechanism. There's no feed of content that you can really leverage to get your content discovered. Yeah. So yeah.
2: yeah. That's what we, we wanted to go in. And I, mean, I have a lot of friends who are only fans models. So it was like, okay, what can we go in and fix? <laughs> like, what can we go in? And it was good to be able to sit down and actually have meetings with only fans and like the models where they could be heard. And like, actually talk to OnlyFans about it because that's, uh, they've had that issue in the past of sex workers not being treated fairly on the platform. And so we came in, we we're able to do that. And, you know, just trying to, it's unconventional to join, but also my, everything I do is unconventional. So I, it's a given, <laughs> but it being unconventional is also great because it's a, that means it's just untapped and people are just too scared. As soon as somebody breaks into it, then everybody the floodgates just open with with the marketing side of it on only fans it was a lot of people were like oh i don't know like, i'm scared to do an only fans ad and then it was like oh okay you're behind it that's fine yeah we'll do that and just, like, as soon as that the brands start coming into it a lot of weed brands are into that and just like being fine with that alcohol brands there's a lot of companies that you wouldn't think would do OnlyFans or like brand placement in OnlyFans videos actually are starting to like it now.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to see The announcement with regards to Vice Media, building out a subscription offering on OnlyFans was really interesting to see. It feels like the Overton windows shifted to- Yeah. And we'll probably see more mainstream media companies exploring that as a channel.
2: Yeah, OnlyFans is really expanding it outside of just adult content they're they're trying to push mostly just as like a a subscription like a selling like a relationship type thing as their subscription it's just a more personal version patreon yeah is what they're building out but yeah it's a really good they've done a good job of like their features that they have built in and the way that they have built the community around it and made it feel so personalized they've done like a really good job with that so i could see it being used i could see it being used for a lot of different types of brands and things. Companies. Yeah.
1: My theory about this, I'm curious if y'all think it's right, is that basically it it came up because of adult entertainment, obviously. And so now a lot of brands that want to borrow, like whether it's an individual like celebrity or influencers brand or like a company's brand like Vice, they basically want to trade on that. And it's like a, it's like a almost like a stunt marketing move to be like, we have an OnlyFans. And as soon as, and and but from OnlyFans' perspective, their motivation is totally different. They want to broaden the platform and have it not be yep. a stunt marketing thing to be on OnlyFans. They just want everybody to be on OnlyFans. And so yeah. there's like a misalignment of of motivations almost, where like yeah. the reason non-porn stuff is like going to OnlyFans is to associate themselves with it, and then. But it's like But
2: they're yeah. trying to unassociate with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that was like their our initial meetings where that we we started talking to them was we were developing like the first like OnlyFans reality show with them. And they were like, oh, this is great. Is it porn? And we were yeah. like, no, it's, not, <laughs> it's not fully porn now. And we were like, it's more like stories and personality. And then, okay, that's what we want is like the personalities and stories behind people. And we we're like, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's the whole thing. So yeah, there's a disconnect there, but there's also, I feel like, a disconnect on almost every platform with the creators and and the platform and the directions that they want to go in. And what do you mean? I think like uh, TikTok is an interesting one where it was based off the musically model of the lip sync and the dancing and then the alt community just came in and just Carved an entire half of that app out and to, yeah. to where it's like actual comedy and things. And then after that, TikTok started adding all the features of like making the videos more, uh, more like vine type videos rather than just like dancing, music, singing type videos.
1: Huh. That's fascinating.
0: Can you yeah. guys share a little bit about what upcoming projects are up your sleeves for Rocket Ship House?
3: Yeah, so stay tuned. February 9th is, you know, going to be crazy. Follow us at Rocketship House on Twitter and your mind will be blown.
2: The very ninth gonna be February
3: 9th is going to be a February 9th. Yeah, we February, have a, have a couple of projects on our pipeline both launching in the next few weeks. The yeah. first one February 9th. What do you want to say about the February 9th one? Um, you, the February a, a,
2: 9th one is a more teaser. of a, a little stunt based one, similar to the gay hell type things. We'll get a good look at, I can't say, I, I always give things away too early.
3: You had one good keyword.
2: I did have one good keyword.
3: <laughs> we'll say it, it has. Was this yeah, the one yeah, we that you told me, about me
2: beforehand? Yeah, yeah you have okay. that prized information. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Everybody <laughs> else who's listening. Yeah. So everyone can, can try nothing. and it out of me. I'm gonna um, get hacked now.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's somewhat of a parody of Mr. Beast. We'll go with that. And, and it's opening up a new market for influencers. And we're also I'm also I guess the first we're the first company to work with influencers on this. As
3: yeah. Well. With, so this work with show. more than one. So. Some so yeah okay it'll be the it'll be the first time this category project has more than one influencer attached to it from day one
2: okay, <laughs> we playing. did not do a good job explaining that
3: also
0: gay bacon. <laughs> yeah that's so that's vague. A, oh, gay <laughs> bacon that
2: was the word yeah just gay bacon
1: gay bacon i yeah. didn't want to say it if you didn't want to reveal it but the key oh word, the key that
2: was the keyword the keyword so was uh
3: we have a know, number yeah. of <laughs> yeah so we have a number of projects yeah. right now we're getting a lot better at like internally like being able to prioritize figure out how to like do a v1 launch what does v1 look like what does v2 look like and yeah, yeah. so we have projects in our pipe
2: a lot um, of in-house stuff and then we've got a couple collaboration projects we got to really wonderful want- bridge the gap it seems like a lot of there's the content houses there's a lot of hacker houses and that's nothing new it's been hacker houses forever but they've just always been competitive with each other and he wanted to really what bridge that and so we were able to work with other houses on different projects and co-incubate them. Yeah. Which is something new because we're the first ones to do that. Do you want to... Super oh, you're cool.
3: i muted. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I think like one thing that I'm like super excited about is this idea of co-incubation and kind of rethinking what is the new way of building startups? Is there a new startup model? And especially when it comes to consumer, rather than just like the traditional, like iterate, you know, can you do... Can the, can, can the beginning stages of look more like hard pivots so mm. it's the beginning of like almost every big consumer company actually like a lab model we're like thinking a lot about just challenging the assumptions that at least i've had for the past what like 10 years since i f- first moved to sf for college and like challenging the assumptions that i've always had about like how a company is created and can we just challenge that on every front one of those being like can you co-incubate an idea or not And so we're playing around with that right now and I think like we're seeing a number of uh, these houses be built and uh, I think the beauty of a lot of these houses is that every house starts to build out some sort of like unique uh, competitive advantage. Ours right now is like very much like distribution and we're finding other houses with other types of like other unique edges. And part of the beauty of a house is that you live together. The biggest disadvantage is that you're quite like you're literally limited by the physical space in your house. Is there a way that we can start to connect these houses that are emerging with some sort of like a scalable model? so that we can take the best learnings out of every house and leverage that into company creation that will just benefit the ecosystem as a whole. And so we have two co-incubation projects coming up and we're really excited to talk more about co-incubation as we, yeah, like I think, yeah, yeah, as as we release them, like I can't talk too much about uh, without giving away like the details of that specific project, but it's been really cool experience working with the brain power of part-time founders. So it's not, just like working with an agency, which is even if an agency has a little bit of equity in your company, which often they don't, it's very different than like tapping into the brain power of the people in these houses, creators and off founders and part-time founders. It's you just really get a very different people who can complement your yeah. yeah. skills as well. Totally, able I to see find some like
0: other key. founders of houses in the audience too. Like I see Brett from Launch Hello. House.
3: What's up? other
0: other founders in the audience? So. It's
1: so funny to hear all the different like how it's Yo, like this house launch house. We need it, it's like Game of Thrones. It's like House Frey or whatever like yeah. <laughs> collaborating <laughs> with each other to defeat the Lannisters so or something like somehow that. Somehow nerdier Game of Thrones.
3: It's literally yeah, it really is amazing. And there um, was another oh. founder of uh, the house that we're working with, Luciano. I think he jumped out and
0: Awesome. Really exciting. We'll definitely stay tuned for those future launches of various projects, but I wanted to ask Elijah, so you have a long history of making really viral content on the internet. You wrote this erotic Donald Trump ebook that blew up and got taken down Amazon, I think. You've done a lot of other really interesting, unconventional things. And I, in Taylor Lorenz's piece from November, she said, um, quote, if his audience building strategies once seemed unorthodox, today they're regarded as ingenious. So that's amazing and I'd love to hear from you on, given that the strategies that you once employed were unorthodox and now they're viewed as ingenious, how can creators today push forward what is still unorthodox today? What are the new Um, channels that are rising? How how do they build a presence today?
2: It's just out of the box things. I feel like a lot of people in not just creator, but like marketing in general, stick to, to what everyone else is doing and go with the flow of things. One of our biggest things and one of the reasons why why we wanted to do it bootstrapped is that we wanted to test so many things and be able to do it on our own and be like, okay, we can test this and this without people looking, wanting to know all this data or be like, no, let's do these Facebook ads. And it's just, no, it's not how you just run things. A lot of it was like unconventional, but that was the purpose behind it. It was, I knew that would get attention for it. Those were just quick, easy booms. And then it would be, there was something behind it or it was like a political t- stunt movement type thing going forward it's just there's a lot of uh, there's a couple influencers that i see they're like really pushing the envelope with it and just like stretching out what they can do and like new things that they're who are those on. brianna salaz and storm ryan are two that are very good their style ryan has like a clothing brand created like like fully like custom it would be like denim jackets that are like hand sewn and painted and stuff
3: the one he was wearing the other yeah day was... yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Oh. Yep. oh sorry i was muted i was saying I... <laughs> we were with storm the other day and he was wearing the coolest outfit i didn't know he yeah. made it that's awesome
2: yeah so he's so he's able to like it's like expanding just out of the one thing that they're doing and and it's just knowing that they don't have to have a bunch of people holding their hands through it and just okay yeah i can do this on my own and the majority of my stunts have been like in each field. It's been in music. It's been in books. It's been into just like kind of anything I wanted to do with music. I was like, okay, you can get a Billboard number one album. It's not that hard. And then I had the first number one independent album of the decade <laughs> last year. And I was just like, oh, the dumbest shit. And I was just like, it's not that hard to do these things. Like anybody can do anything. It's all just if you're willing to do it and how you do it. So I think just branching out and just doing different things, just not continuing the same, whether it's one minute long TikToks or whatever they're doing now, it's just outside of the box shit, outside of the box marketing and just not being afraid of going against the grain of these things because going against the grain is what made us pop in the beginning was we did i i originally started doing i started way before but on youtube when i started doing vlogs it was very much like anti vlogging it was like Mm. we were hanging out with like david and his friends and then we were like okay yeah we're gonna just make fun of this because why is this being recorded like why is anybody vlogging their fucking day-to-day lives and so we just started making fun of that and it just blew up because people also wanted to see them being made fun of. So being more open to things is definitely easier and will help you grow faster. And kind of a- anything that's controversial now is gonna be non-controversial in four years anyways. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You just go a little unconventional.
3: I think that's- I like that. Oh, that's like part of what I think we really bonded over was like the power of parody. I and mean, I think nobody. Being
2: unconventional. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Being unconventional and not being afraid to go against <clears> the, grain, <throat> the grain, as you said. And nobody does it better than Elisha.
2: Yeah. And I don't know anybody really.
1: Oh, oops. Can you unmute? My
2: bad. <laughs> I don't really know anybody in tech that's usually willing to go unconventional or really even just go look at the like the stunts that I've done and be like, oh, that's really interesting that you do that. Katya was like, oh my gosh, what the fuck? And then like goes through every detail of it. And it's, oh, wow, this works really well because of this. And I was like, okay, we can work together because I need yeah. somebody to babysit me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally.
0: Amazing. During the last 20 minutes, I'd love to switch it over to audience Q&A, bring some people up here on stage, take some questions. And thank you so much for doing this episode with us. And by the way, for those of you guys who are interested in following more Creator Economy news and Nathan and my takes on everything that's happening in the world from Twitter acquiring review to what other stuff have we covered, like Vice going on OnlyFans, like creators, revenue, like portfolio and how they're actually making money. We write a weekly newsletter called Means of Creation, which you can find at the new URL. What is it, Nathan?
1: Every.to. And then Means of Creation is linked to on the homepage.
0: Amazing. Yes. So subscribe, people who subscribe. That's what broke the news to
2: me of... A Vice on OnlyFans, so you have to subscribe.
1: Oh, amazing, great.
0: <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, cool. We want to do no, more quick original quick reporting too.
3: Yeah. That we want to add, we have one room in our house opening up. Oh, wow. And With the vineyard? we are looking for the perfect person. So if you are he or she.
0: What is the perfect person? Can you describe it a little bit more?
3: Someone who is just Think, like the easy answer is okay somebody who's like really into creator economy stuff and wants to work with us mm-hmm. but we are also looking for somebody who is that and also somebody who is like maybe a little unconventional so we're open
0: i think somebody. that's like all of this room so you have yeah. so many people who i think would be perfect fits
3: for a rocket ship. yeah so dm dm me if you're interested and if you're also interested in co-working we are expanding our like co-working capabilities to be like corona safe or as safe as we can be and if you're interested if you're in LA and you want to co-work also hit me up amazing
1: all right (laughs) bye you too